Greg Mackling without Brett McGarry on this Monday afternoon. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. I'll be with you until 4 o'clock this afternoon. Looking forward to lots of interaction, telephone calls, text messages, emails, gmac at cjob.com. If you'd like to get in touch with me, share your opinion on the topics and the subjects we will be discussing this afternoon. We've got lots of guests lined up for you as well. It's not just going to be you and I. Chris Enright, Dr. Chris Enright, is the head of veterinary services for Cinnaboyne Park Zoo. We'll talk about Eli, the polar bear who passed away over the weekend. We'll find out about the work at the zoo that they're doing with polar bears. And, of course, Debbie, the polar bear, passed away several years ago. And there have been others along the way. We'll find out some more details, find out what they're trying to do at the zoo and the uh, Polar Bear Conservation Centre and is it working overall? Lots of conversation uh, about polar bears. Uh, fascinated to learn that Winnie the Pooh, another Winnipeg bear, is being banned on Chinese social media because of his apparent, supposed, or suggested appearance correlation to the president of China. That's kind of fascinating. Wi-Fi at campgrounds? Is, is this a thing? I was on Facebook a couple of hours ago and one of my Facebook friends posted something back from camping at Winnipeg Beach. No Wi-Fi again. Kind of angry emojicon. Are we going camping to get away from all that stuff or are our lives so dependent on being connected that we get frustrated when there's no Wi-Fi at the campground? Talk about that a little bit later on. Our love-hate relationship with Winnipeg. Mine was in full effect on Saturday night downtown on a beautiful rooftop patio looking around and realized that those are the snippets in time that you wish you could capture, put in the photocopier or some other replicating device and just make it like that nine months of the year. And then who in the heck wouldn't want to live here. Talk about that a little bit. And we'll also discover one of the spokesperson, spokespeople, spokespersons for the Canada Summer Games coming up. He'll be in studio with us later on this afternoon. Find out why he is an ambassador for our city. Trying to combine my experience in uh, falling in love a little bit with Winnipeg all over again Saturday night and uh, this ambassador role for the Canada Games. But I want to start off with the death on our highways. Someone I know, um, got to be careful here to protect their anonymity. Someone that I know uh, does extensive work for the RCMP in terms of investigating crashes on the highways. Earlier in the spring, he told me things had been pretty quiet the first few months of this year. And that made him a little bit nervous because the law of averages typically catch up. Well, here we are, and we're starting to see a spike in the number of accidents on our highways. And Saturday afternoon, one person, here's the CGOB headline, one person dead after crash on Highway 3. Take you behind the curtain, as Brett McGarry likes to say a little bit here. We get emails, whether we are here at our desk or at home, or on vacation, unless I've put away the handheld device, which I try to do maybe not as often as I should. 
Saturday after I had cut the grass and done a few of my Saturday chores, made a run to the dump. I sat down to get caught up on a couple of emails and social media. And I got an email, as we all did here at 680 CJOB, from the RCMP. I took a glance at it. Very elementary press release with statistics details of a deadly crash on Highway 3. What jumped out at me was the age of the fatality, 45 years old. Anytime I see 45, between 45 and 55, goes through my head, boy, I wonder if I knew that person. Wasn't really tuned in as I might be on a Monday or a Wednesday or a Friday afternoon being at the studio, but being a Saturday, I don't know if I really went there as deeply as I do. And in our business, we deal with reporting these facts, devastating events on a daily basis. We deliver the news on these fatal car accidents, homicides, assaults, robberies, missing persons, and a variety of other events that are brutal in nature. And just like you, we sometimes know the people involved. Sometimes these events hit incredibly close to home. And just like you, our friends, neighbors, or our own family can be intimately involved and connected to all sorts of stories. So on Saturday, when news broke of this 45-year-old Winnipeg woman being the victim of a fatal car crash on Highway 3, I did do that cursory pause and think, boy, I wonder if I knew that person. Then I read the email And I'll read the story from cjob.com. A 45-year-old Winnipeg woman is dead after a two-vehicle collision on Highway 3, just south of Brunkhill, Manitoba. Police said a southbound vehicle struck the shoulder of the road and drove into oncoming traffic just after 5 p.m. It collided head-on with another vehicle traveling northbound. The driver of the northbound vehicle, a 43-year-old man from Winkler, was taken to hospital 45-year-old passenger was pronounced dead at the scene. The driver and three other passengers in southbound vehicles were taken to hospital in serious condition. Very routine elementary news story with all the facts involved. Then some photographs started showing up in our news group feed of a serious crash on Highway 59 north of the casino on the way out to Lester Beach, Grand Beach, Victoria Beach. Single lane highway either way after you get past the casino. That's a highway our family travels four, five, six, seven times a summer. We have friends that travel that highway multiple times every week in the summertime and fairly often in the winter. I think we all have friends like that. So then I went to my Facebook page. And it wasn't long before my page was full of tributes to the victim of the crash on Highway 3. When I read the name of the victim, I was saddened to learn that this person was somebody I had gotten to know in the nonprofit world. Lovely person. Didn't know her very well, but our paths had crossed and We'd interacted at a couple of golf tournaments. She was 
point person for an organization I have a great amount of respect for in our community. Then I quickly started to realize that this person was very close to several people who are very close to me. It's that two degrees of separation in our community. It doesn't take long for you to meet someone who knows a person that you're either trying to reach out to, or in this case, it doesn't take long to realize that someone struck it down in the middle of their life as someone that's important to people, important to you. I can imagine that many of you have experienced the same thing, if not this past weekend, over over the course of your life. You hear a story either on CJOB or read it in the paper, you hear it on Global News, and you, and you make a comment or something causes you to reflect on who that might be. And then hours or days later, you find out that that was someone that you knew. It's not just a statistic anymore. It's not just an accident somewhere on Highway 3. It's a life that you were involved in or someone that you cared deeply about was involved in. There's a connection somehow. And I'm coming around to my ultimate question for you. Is do those things have you take pause about either the way you drive, conduct your life otherwise, the advice you give your children and the way you interact with others, does that loss of that person and their life give you the gift of reflection and asking yourself the question whether or not you're living your life the way you want to? Am I being as safe as I can be? Am I as expressive as I should be? What effect do these tragic accidents have on your life? Is there an inspiration factor there? I want to hear from you. We're getting text messages now at 204-780-6868. But as you know, we'd love to hear your story and your voice. 204-780-6868. The phone lines are open now. It's Greg without Brett on this Monday afternoon. Please join the conversation if you would. We'll take a pause and update your weather next. Looking for your observations, your emotions, your feelings about, well, Eve doesn't call them accidents. And you know what, Eve, I think you're right. They aren't accidents anymore. They're called collisions for a reason. It's very traffic, traffic, tragic. Our traffic guru, Brian Barkley, who retired a couple of years ago, used to call them collisions as well. He hated the word accidents, because most of these tragedies are preventable, either by altering your behavior, uh, using the safety equipment that's at our disposable uh, disposal, it, even if it's just your signals, your cruise control, your 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 brake, all the different things that are equipped, your car is equipped with to keep you safe. Sometimes it's just a matter of using that equipment effectively. And sometimes it's as simple as obeying the dotted line. I cannot tell you in Northwest Ontario in particular how many people ignore the dotted line. 
in Northwest Ontario on, on Highway 17 on the Trans-Canada Highway, most places the speed limit is 90. That's a theory. That's a pure theory. And when it's 90, you would think that that's a little bit of an alert. I was thinking about this the other day. Would we pay attention to speed limits if instead of 70, it said 69 or 68? That it was a very specific number. That rounded number, sometimes that zero sounds like there's an ish attached to it. And of course, if you're not using cruise control and you're in the city, and there are lots of places in the city where you can go 60, 70, even 80 kilometers per hour, and you're not going to set your cruise control because you're going to encounter a, well, it's Winnipeg, so you know what you're going to encounter at most intersections going to be a signal light, right? So just wondering if uh, an odd number like that might have a different effect. Anyway, I digress on this. I apologize. Would like your take on... This two degrees of separation in Winnipeg and how I learned very quickly on Saturday after getting the official RCMP email that we get here at 680CJOB that I knew the person that was killed in the in the crash on Highway 3. And I learned very quickly from Facebook that this person was very close to a lot of people. Uh, a, that I didn't even realize knew this person and certainly didn't realize how integral a part of their lives they were. John says, how many crashes have to happen before we increase the difficulty of getting a driver's license or at the very least have more enforcement of bad driving behavior? I drive for a living. I see many examples of high risk driving. Slow drivers can equal panicked and misjudge passing. Following too close, too slow, too fast, turning signals. We know what bad driving looks like. These crashes make me angry because they absolutely do not have to happen. How many loved ones do we have to lose before we clean up this mess? Maybe maybe driving shouldn't be a right. Obviously, obviously it's not. Some people do see it that way. Another text message at 204 780 I was a paramedic for many years in my youth. I've seen some horrible things. A motor vehicle accident, that was my final call. One of my duties was helping clean up the areas. I picked up the wedding invitations from the young lady who passed away in the car that were for her upcoming wedding. I could no longer take my job. Sadly, many more people get hurt than the one that dies in the car. Thanks for that. Thanks for sharing that. As graphic and difficult as it was to hear and deliver, I I, I think that's part of my message here. Just imagine that young person who texted us making a decision to walk away a job like being a paramedic from seeing that wedding invitations of a young person who's lost their life in in a highway collision. Dean says sometimes it's actually driving the speed limit, not 20 kilometers under it. There's no question about that. Absolutely agree. He goes on to say last week you were talking about raising the speed limit last week, adding and driving 110 kilometers per hour. People die on the roads every day. 
and you don't make a stink about it. Now someone you know dies and all of a sudden it's a big deal. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We talk about this quite a bit. I can't speak for other programs, but I know that in the nine months Brett and I have been doing this show, we talk an awful lot about the safety on the roads and we were asking about 110 kilometer an hour speed limits because that's something that's commonplace in the United States and a lot of people complain about it. And in fact, personally, I said emphatically, most of our infrastructure is not, N-O-T, not in a situation or in condition to handle 110 kilometer an hour uh, speed limit. So, Dean, I, I uh, invite you to call in and, and engage with me uh, one-on-one here. Josh is waiting patiently. Hey, Josh, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Yourself? Uh, I'm not doing too bad at all. What's your take on this? I have uh, a place just north of Gimli, and I normally don't drive in the rush hour. My I get off work later, and uh, but I have the last couple of times, and out of the last two times, I've seen three incidences where they went three wide on the number eight highway because they tried to have passed in inappropriate times. One car did it twice and on a separate time, another vehicle did it. And uh, it's just, these people are speeding to get to Gimli from the four lane. It's a maximum of 60 kilometers distance at 120 versus 105. You're saving four minutes. And in that four minutes, I've seen one person push two people onto the shoulder just so they could get around them. And it's absolutely ridiculous. They, they need more enforcement out there and they need more awareness that this shouldn't be tolerated. You know, Josh, I've seen it myself. I've been in the middle, middle of it myself. In fact, it was just two weekends ago on my way up to, uh, up to the area around Grand Beach where we were essentially three wide because some, some bonehead decided that uh, his his appointment in the city was more important than me getting to the lake, etc. And and you're right on the math. It, it, four minutes. I, I don't know why we think that this saves such a tremendous amount of time. And that's just at the bottom of my list of concerns about these actions. Well, exactly. Uh, I've I've known people that have you know taken the life of somebody while driving, and it's affected them to the day, ten years to the day they think about it every day they tell me and you know it 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 was a fluke collision there was speed wasn't involved but you know i couldn't imagine taking someone's life trying to save myself three minutes to get to the lake so i could unpack three minutes early If, if everybody just took a little even in my campground we have a speed limit of 10 kilometers and people are whizzing by doing 20 25 and it's supposed to be a kid friendly campground and it's uh it's gotten out of hand and uh i i don't not only do I think we need more training from the schools and stuff like that, but I think parents need to take a more active role in training. My, my parents always uh, took an active role in training myself and my sister, and uh, I see lots of kids just get thrown into a car at, at driver's training in 15 and a half, and you've never been behind a wheel, and, you know, they're expected to be able to perform, and it's, it's not adequate enough training, I don't think. Josh, we've uh, come up to the news at the bottom of the hour. I appreciate your call, all your text messages, uh, every single one of them, including uh, one listener who's requesting that we air uh, coast to coast from 
one till four in the afternoon. I, I can approach the boss with that if you like. I, I don't like the chances. Uh, it's one twenty-eight on this Monday afternoon. We'll take a pause. Global news and weather with Austin Siragusa is next at the bottom of the hour. Keep those text messages coming. 204-780-6868. Lots of uh, great insight on the troubles on our highways and to why we can't seem to eliminate death on our highways. Len had a great point here. He um, suggested basically it's a lack of respect in all aspects of our lives that is causing these things. Um, and I think we could talk about that a little bit later on this afternoon. The way we interact with one another when we're face-to-face in a social setting. I'm guilty of it all the time. My social media feed, my Twitter in particular, takes me away. I can't keep my hands off it. I got to shut it off, lock it in a drawer, which I don't do and I think I need to do in order to be present. Uh, even when we have company, either at the house or if we're at a social gathering. Uh, it's an addiction that I have to know what's going on in the world. And it's downright rude, I admit it, plain and simple. And a lot of us, that translates into using our handheld devices while we're driving. We're still doing it. It's causing distracted driving. Uh, there's lots of reasons for it. I am interested in yours and how it's affecting you and these stories that uh, not are real people who are killed. And when you realize that you know someone, does it hit home harder than just another accident on Highway 3? Would love your feedback. Uh, we got this earlier, late in the weekend, I guess, yesterday. It is with great sadness that the Assiniboine Park Zoo announces that one of its polar bears, Eli, passed away yesterday afternoon. The nearly three-year-old polar bear was and has made his home at the zoo since November of 2015. He will be missed by all staff, volunteers, and visitors who knew him. Dr. Chris Enright joins us now. And Dr. Enright, uh, condolences on the loss of Eli. This has to hit the, the staff very hard. It certainly does. Uh, you know, our staff work with the animals closely, and whether you're a zookeeper, a volunteer, or a guest, you know, you form connections, and it, it's a loss to, to have an animal pass away. So give us an idea of uh, Eli's life and how he came to be living at the Assiniboine Park Zoo. Sure. Eli was orphaned in the area around Churchill in 2015, and he was at an age around 9, 10, 11 months of age uh, that really cubs are too young to survive on their own. And Manitoba Sustainable Development decided that he he did not have a future in the wild. Uh, he, he was likely to die in the wild, so he had a second chance at life here. And for the past year and a half, he's grown up at the zoo with a number of other bears, and he's really helped make connections and be an ambassador for a species with, with our guests who come through the doors here. So that whole idea, and I, I don't know if I've broached this with you the last time I spoke to you, Dr. Enright, or not, but whenever we talk about zoos, there are some in our society who feel zoos have outlived their usefulness. What's your take on people who say that? Well, my my take on the zoos in general is that it really helps 
people connect to animals, connect to nature, and, and care about the preservation of natural spaces and natural environments. Uh, and as long as underpinning all of that, we can look after the health and welfare of the animals, which I, th I think we do well. Uh, we can give those animals a good quality of life, and they, they can really be ambassadors and, and help bridge the gap between people and the natural world. Dr. Enright, maybe reiterate then, based on that, uh, your take on what Eli's fate would have been had he just been left to his own devices up near Churchill. Well, sure. At, at around 9, 10, 11 months of age, uh, cubs really haven't had a chance to to do hunting on their own and or to be big enough to even hunt seals. Uh, so the likelihood of survival in the wild was was quite low. Um, there There was a good chance that he would have starved for lack of food once mum had passed away uh, or been been eaten by wolves or, or a different polar bear. So it says here that preliminary results of the uh, autopsy performed by the zoo veterinary staff indicate internal swelling of tissues in the throat and neck. Do we know what might have caused that? At this point, we don't know for sure. At this point, we have a list of possibilities that as further tests come in, uh, as a review of footage from the days leading up to the event that we have cameras on our polar bears, uh, we can hopefully whittle away at that list of possibilities and, and come up with something definitive. At this point, it looks like trauma is a, is a possible cause of, of the swelling we were seeing, uh, but it, it's not it's not at the end stage yet. It's not definitive. Right. So uh, I, that was going to be my, my question to you. Is this uh, more likely a physical injury versus an illness? Uh, right. At this point, it doesn't look like it's it's an infectious process. At this point, I, I'm not particularly concerned that it's going to show up in any other bears or any other animals in the zoo. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be looking closely at... Um, did he take a significant fall? Did he have an interaction with another bear? Is there is there anything that could have happened around his neck uh, to be causing the swelling that we found? Now, you talk about Eli and the other bears being ambassadors, and and I asked you that question about the you know, the long-term viability and whether or not zoos are, are a worthwhile thing. I think it was only three weeks ago that I admitted that without interacting with the beluga whales and, and even the killer whales, at the Vancouver Aquarium when I was a kid, I, I'm fairly certain that I would not have the same affection, the same love affair with nature, in particular those two animals, and certainly polar bears are on that list uh, mm. because of seeing them at the at the Assiniboine Park Zoo. Uh, there, there is that... I'm trying to find the proper wording here. There, there is that, that benefit, even though... We know that there is a potential conflict with with having these these animals in ca captivity, right? And I think it's incumbent on us to do what we can can to understand what what are the needs for animals in in captivity, uh, from the health and welfare standpoint, and make sure that a zoo you're attending, an aquarium you're attending, is doing their very best to meet and exceed those needs in order to to do the best that we can for those animals. So what's next for the polar bear program, the polar bear rescue? Uh, how many polar bears are at Assiniboine Park Zoo right now? Uh, there are an additional nine polar bears at the zoo right now. And so those bears are, are still 
living in in the day-to-day, being looked after uh, as they always have. The keepers are keeping perhaps an extra close eye on them. Um, And it's our intention to to work with the province on polar bear conservation to continue our existing uh, conservation and research programs and, and veterinary programs in order to do the very best that we understand how for the bears that we have uh, and to promote the conservation of polar bears in the wild. What's the feedback you get when you are, you know, out from behind the glass or maybe wandering around the zoo and seeing kids and their parents, uh, young people interacting with the bears through the glass or otherwise? Is this working? It It's really been overwhelmingly uh, positive, the, the feedback that we're getting, uh, both in the day-to-day when I'm walking through the zoo and I and I see the people interacting with, with a polar bear, a seal, or any other animal in the zoo, a tortoise for that matter. Um, and even our social media presence, our Facebook page, uh, we've had nothing but support from, from our guests, from our community uh, for what we're doing and how we're looking after our animals. Dr. Enright, thank you for this. We appreciate your time and the access as always. And thanks for the work that you're doing over at the Assiniboine Park Zoo, at the Assiniboine Park Conservancy, and of course at the Polar Bear Rescue Centre. We appreciate it very much. Thank you also. That is Dr. Chris Enright, Head of Veterinary Services for the Assiniboine Park Zoo, giving us an update, some detail as much as he could anyway on the passing of Eli, the polar bear, the young polar bear who passed away Saturday at Assiniboine Park Zoo. We'll take a pause. More of your text messages on highway safety, what we're doing, what we're not doing, what we ought to be doing, and how do these deaths and these serious incidents on our roads, how do they affect you and your perception of your safety on the road and and your actions? 204-780-6868. Keep those texts coming and certainly feel free to give us a call. It's Mackling McGarry, Sons McGarry this afternoon. Weather is next. At 204-780-6868, this text, I find when people get behind the wheel, they turn their brain off. Could be. Looking for your calls, looking for your texts. I don't know if I could handle any more texts. Wow. There must be a dozen or more I'm going to try and work my way through over the next few minutes as we head towards 2 o'clock. Greg Mackling, no Brett McGarry today. Brett uh, taking a personal day today. He'll be back tomorrow. Peter says, Highway 3 needs passing lanes. All down. It works in Ontario, works on Highway 6. Very bad high speed areas. Peter, you're right. I agree with you. I travel Highway 3 not nearly as much as I used to. I don't get out to southwestern Manitoba as often as I did once upon a time. But Highway 3 and, of course, the population boom in Winkler, and Morden, Altona, and even Carmen, that whole area, they've got an incredible, what almost an expressway between Winkler and Morden. But the other infrastructure around this rapidly increasing in population area of our province is not kept up at all. And so there are stretches of this highway that are as busy as ever, and there are lots of examples in and around Winnipeg, out to different lake areas, cottage country that didn't exist 20 years ago. That infrastructure essentially remains untouched or upgraded only in terms of its roadway. I know on Highway 6, they've changed some of the curves that were on Highway 6 over the years. They were very deadly, very dangerous. 
But you look at, at an area like Oak Bank to the east of Winnipeg. That's a very large bedroom community, the city of Winnipeg. And the only way to get to the city is on a series of, of two-lane highways. I guess it's 206 that goes right through town. So north or south, you have your choice to go to Garvin Road and then make your way via Garvin Road to Highway 59, or you can go south to Highway 15 and make your way to the perimeter and into the city that way. But a great majority of your travels are on a on a one-lane highway. And we all know that temptation to pass, whether there's a dotted line or not, is sometimes too much for people to resist. I just got this email in the last oh, five minutes here at gmac at cjob.com. Uh, Greg, I travel a fair amount and out east in northwest Ontario. I referenced northwestern Ontario between 1 and one thirty. Highway 17 is posted at 90 kilometers per hour, yes. I do speed at 97 kilometers per hour, and Ontario drivers are right on my bumper and pass me on a solid line many times. It is crazy, one, two, three, exclamation marks. I'm told I need to travel 105 and won't, Get a ticket. Sorry, I will not travel that fast. 97 is plenty fast enough beyond the speed limit. I am beginning to hate traveling in northwestern Ontario. Had the same experience on my way to Rushing River in the past. 90 is the posted speed limit. And I will travel within that seemingly acceptable threshold of 7, 8, 9 kilometers per hour. But I won't push it. I will not push it. And still, you're getting past, and you're getting past very aggressively. And it's not only in northwestern Ontario. It's on Highway 59. It's on Highway 15. It's on Highway 6. The answer is uh, obviously multi-pronged. I had a text message here about enforcement here that I wanted to share. Here it is from Herb. Hi, Greg. If this province is so cash-strapped, why can't the city cops and RCMP have a full mandate to stop reckless and speeding driving? We traveled in the states and by Louisville, Kentucky, the state troopers had speed traps and cars patrolling the interstate in both directions. They had a one or two cars pulled over as we passed each speed trap. We need this more of the, we need more of this enforcement. And 120 kilometers is the new 100. Thanks again, Herb. And you know what? I've been to the States more times than I can count. And right now on Highway 59, there's a major construction project, 70 kilometers per hour from Headmaster Row to the Red River Floodway Bridge. And there are signs, oh, I would say every half kilometer or so that say speed fines double in construction zones. I get ridden on my bumper all the time doing 70, 71, 72 in that construction zone. And I get outright passed when the opportunity is there for people trying to uh, make their way north on Highway 51, Lajemodier, north of the perimeter and that new interchange that they're building there. I, I don't know where everybody's in such a hurry to get to. 
Um, da, da, da. Here's one from Paul. So sorry to hear about the lo- uh, loss of the person you know. My condolences to her friends and family. I'm on the road every day and I cannot get over how many people I see every day on their phones. Absolutely ridiculous. Maybe a $2,000 fine will make people think twice. I also got a text message here that it's the law against handheld devices whose fault this is because people are being forced to look down and conceal their use of these handheld devices. That's an interesting take on it. I'll give you that. Good afternoon. We have created a tremendous sense of arrogance in the process of driving and all about me mentality. I taught my daughters respect on the road and how to drive in different conditions. The same my father did for me. Maybe retest everyone every five years. We need more traffic control. Retesting. That's an interesting one. I uh, am in strong favor of random retesting. It's the lottery you don't want to win necessarily, but I think it would keep a lot of us honest. Do you really believe you would pass your road test if you had to retake it? Forche, would you pass it? Um, I would hope so. <laughs> I know you would hope so, but do you think you would? I think I would. I'm yeah. not nominating you for a retest, by the way, and your answers are not binding and they certainly aren't, uh, you know, you're not under oath by answering these questions, but you, you think you would? You feel comfortable that you would? Um, yeah, in uh, I'm, I'm a... I don't want to say I'm a perfect driver because that's impossible. Um, I'm a decent driver. I drive safely. And when it comes to distracted driving, I'm mm-hmm. so against it. So against having your cell phone out. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's stupid. I don't know how people do it. It's just mind-blowing. I think it's a great point. Lived in California. Speed limits are high, but the roads are beautiful. Driving on Manitoba roads takes skill, and high speeds are not wise. You know, I'm going to tie this back to infrastructure nobody gets a free pass on this when you're driving dangerously, but our infrastructure is not kept up. Acceleration lanes, deceleration lanes, uh, proper passing lanes. It breeds uh, a certain discontent and impatient within itself. I, I, I don't know. I, there is a role to play and proper infrastructure is critical in, I think, changing our attitudes on the road. It's not an excuse, but I think it's a reason. Greg, talking about the U.S., there are very few roads that are only 60 miles per hour. We need mandatory road tests. That from Doug. What does Mick have to say here today? In Saskatchewan, speed fines in the construction zones are triple. An excellent idea. Arizona. One of my personal experiences driving to Arizona once upon a time. Construction zone ahead, construction zone five miles, construction zone two miles. You get plenty of warning, and guess what? They have Smokey set up right at the top and right at the bottom of those construction zones, and they might be anywhere in between. They take safety on their highways very, very seriously in the United States. I think in Wisconsin once upon a time, if you're paying attention, they have a sign that says, we arrest speeders stay safe and welcome to wisconsin greg mackling no brett mcgarry today he'll be back tomorrow we will be back uh, after global news and weather at the top of the hour austin siragusa standing by more conversation as we make our way through the afternoon thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us this afternoon no brett today so that means you are my co-host straight through until four o'clock your texts 
Your calls, your emails, all welcome. 204-780-6868 will text me and call me. GMAC at cjob.com, and you can send me an email. Would love to hear from you. I was going to move on here, but, man, what an overwhelming response on the conversation on driving. And I know we joke around, uh, and I apologize for terminology uh, joking, but we do joke around in the newsroom that there are some topics that, you know, on a slow day, if you want to talk about them, you know you're going to elicit a lot of response from the public. And, of course, driving and dangerous driving is one of them. But I was trying to get to the to the heart of, of some of these things. Off the top, I shared with you the fact that, uh, you know, in this business, we, we are members of the com- community as well. And we may be reading a, a news story or sharing with you something uh, that doesn't involve any names because they've been protected along the way and aren't uh, for public consumption. People that we know personally. And that happened to me this past weekend. Someone that I know and someone who's very close to several people that I know was the victim of, uh, of a collision on Highway 3, a tragedy that claimed the life of a 45-year-old Winnipeg woman. And a lot of people I know are mourning her loss today. And it just made me realize that sec- that two degrees of separation here in Winnipeg is alive and well. And, and it can really hit home for some of us here at CGOB that learn about things that maybe don't get to air. And just like you, we may be having a hard time wrapping our head around the things that happen. And I wanted to know if when you hear a friend of a friend, a neighbor, a family member, God forbid, is a victim of, of one of these of these collisions, does it change your perspective? Does it give you cause for pause to think about how you drive, how you treat the highways? I think it was Len who said, you know, bad driving is a symptom of our of our bad manners. And I'm sort of paraphrasing there, but I've always felt that, you know, so much of being a good driver is being a courteous driver. Doesn't mean you have to be passive, but it means looking out for each other on the highway. And it, you know, somebody else mentioned in one of their text messages, this me first sort of mentality that we've developed is really an issue. And uh, here's one, and I think, Peter, you're, you're highlighting several things in this text message at 780-6868. Good afternoon, Greg. There was actually a serious collision last Friday morning at Highway 8 and Highway 231. It was amazing that no one was killed in that one. I live in the interlake between Highways 8 and 9, and I can tell you there are maniacs on these highways. In the summer months especially, I actually avoid driving highways on weekends. The word, all capitalized, needs to get out to give your driving your 100% attention all the time. Please be safe. That's from Peter. Another couple of text messages saying about the fact that the horsepower of vehicles that has changed over the last number of years, we are addicted to power on all fronts, even in minivans. There are minivans out there with 200 plus horsepower. One of the texters said 400. I don't know which minivan that would be. I'd love to know. I don't want it. I don't want to own it. I don't want that much power under my right foot. But it is true. Vehicles have gotten faster. They've gotten better mechanically, more dependable, and safer to boot. I wonder if they're almost too safe. We feel invincible. 
Never mind our age. I wonder if our, you know, we talk about young people feeling invincible and it's never going to happen to them, et cetera, et cetera. Take the age out of it. Do we feel way too safe in our vehicles? Curious on uh, your thoughts on that one as well. Uh, Merging. Oh, man. Was it Doug? Yeah, I think it was Doug that texted about merging. This, to me... (laughs) Jeff Fortune tips back in his chair. Yeah. Jeff and I live in the same neighborhood. And so, you know, there's a there's a freeway that cuts east-west from La Jumodiere to, to Main Street. And, of course, it's a Winnipeg freeway because it has one, two, about four stoplights on it. But it's as close as we get in a lot of cases. And it's got acceleration and deceleration lanes. It's got merges. And things have gotten a lot better in the six years since Chief Peg was trail open, but it's still not where it needs to be. Where people use, and I think going from northbound Henderson Highway to eastbound Chief Peg was trail, that acceleration lane has to be 300 meters. It is super long. And people still don't know how to treat a merge. It's dangerous. People slam on their brakes thinking that they need to stop. You don't need to stop. Accelerate to the speed of the traffic. And maybe part of it is that we're not very good at letting each other in. And so people get a little bit hesitant when it comes to performing the perfect merge. 780-6868. We're going to spend just a few more minutes on this. John says, jump in any tow truck. You see lots of stupid. How about coffee? Was it Steve that said about the coffee? Who said about the coffee? Here we go. Alvin says, while we are talking about distracted driving and cell phones, let's also talk about driving and drive through scalding hot coffee that many of us indulge in while driving. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, There are lots of things that people do. I've seen people eating cereal. I've seen people doing their makeup. We've all seen these crazy things that people do on the road. They think they're entitled to doing it. Eve is a regular texter, and I know he's a very loyal listener, and he calls in once in a time, uh, once in a while. Eve, thanks for taking time. No problem. What, what have you got? Well, well, my beef is merging. Uh, I had a perfect example just last week at the 59 and North Perimeter Construction Zone. Heading east on the perimeter, it merges down to one lane on the left. Well, this dummy in a minivan decided to wait till the very last second to try and merge in and she was slowing down slowing down instead of actually merging we were down to 40 kilometers an hour and she still wasn't <laughs> you, were, had, you were giving her a, a place to merge i'm guessing i gave her room from the bridge all the way into the the cone she had tons of time i was in my the left lane giving her room to come in and she just did not clue in to merge. You know, I had a, a situation at one of the crosswalks today where I stopped at a crosswalk and the person who had done the right thing, gotten off their bike, they dismounted, they were going to walk their bike across, waved me through the crosswalk, like, go ahead. Does it not drive you crazy, Eve, when you're following the rules of the road and other people are coaching you to do the thing that's uh, completely contrary to the law? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. The car's got the right of way unless you're physically stopped, and then at that point you're letting the pedestrian through and you keep on going. It's 
crazy. It is, it is. It's crazy. And I know you texted me about the skid marks at those intersections on the perimeter. A lot of this has yeah. to do with our, uh, I would really like to wor- use a certain word that I can't use on the air, but our crappy infrastructure. Uh, it's very crappy because at this point, uh, people are driving 120 on roads designed for 55 miles an hour or 90. It's suicidal some days. The perimeter is very dangerous at rush hour. I avoid the northeast corner at rush hour. You actually, you consciously avoid it out of concern for your own safety? For everybody else. People at rush hour are entitled. So the entitlement attitude people have no courtesy on the roads. So I just stay away from it. I go west side instead. Well, and you can see that uh, where the uh, construction starts there on eastbound north perimeter just after Henderson, you know, that yeah. zipper that zipper merge should be in full effect, but people are scared to get in that right lane because I believe they're horrified, bothered, concerned, use whatever terminology you want, that nobody's going to let them get in once they get to the top of that merge, so everybody stacks up on that left side. Well, there's no passing. So if people actually stayed in position and then just kept on going to the end, the zipper would function. But people are passing. And then as soon as you get past on the right side and you're in one of those zones, you're like, nope, you're not getting in. Yeah. But if the person stayed beside you the whole way in and everybody was, people would zipper. Yeah, pe- Yeah. well, yeah, there's, there's that animosity that grows between us. We're, we're definitely not on the right and the same team out there, are we, Eve? We seem to be in competition with one another. Well, everybody's in competition. Cars, trucks, everything, and just everybody's entitled and just does not work. Eve, thanks for your contributions, as always. We appreciate it beyond words. Bye-bye. Right on, man. Stay safe out there, my friend. Roger, you have the floor. You're my co-host for the next couple minutes here. Roger, go uh, ahead. Okay. Uh, I agree with you with the uh, the cheap pegwish that merging. Uh, I think a lot of people don't even know how to merge if they really just don't know how to do it. It's it's, uh, it's dangerous and frustrating, isn't it, Roger? And you know what? And it's just not just just a Manitoba thing. You know, that Canada's worst driver. There's, you know, people just don't know how to do that. And the one that really drives me up the wall is when you're going down the highway, the right-hand lane is always supposed to be the slower, slower traffic. And the left lane is supposed to be the quicker traffic. And yet people still seem to think that they can go another or lane, uh, even if they go, let's say, 10 or 20 kilometers below the speed limit. Well, you know, and I agree with you, but, you know, I'm going to use Chief Pegwis Trail as the example again. And, you know, convention would say, the law would say that the slower traffic should keep right in that left lane. But, of course, because Chief Pegwis Trail isn't a proper uh, freeway, so many people, probably half to a third of the people that are using Chief Pegwis Trail between Lage and Henderson Highway are turning left to get onto southbound Henderson Highway, and it messes up that whole philosophy. And then you're panicked that nobody's going to let you in when you get close to Henderson. It, like We do ourselves no favors with the engineering. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, like I, I, as far as the speed limit, I have... I do not like people that speed. Don't get me wrong. I don't like people that speed, but I don't like people that basically go 10 and 20 kilometers below the speed limit. Oh, and like I said, they're on that uh, the, the left lane that uh, that they're not supposed to be on. Yeah, I agree. James, yeah. Roger, thanks for this. Appreciate it. We're going to go okay. to James next. James, uh, you've got the floor. Go ahead, sir. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's just saying to your uh, guy there behind the scenes, um, 
it's more of a Canadian syndrome. Guys don't want to move in. They feel bad if they move in. They, like they cut somebody off. Like, oh, sorry, you know. <laughs> Do you think gotta, that's part of it, James? It's very much so. We're we're a very polite province, and seventy percent of us are are very polite, right? So you got to try and merge left. Well, a lot of people feel bad about it. I think there's a certain part of that. I think it may be equal part politeness and equal part concern that nobody's going to let you in once you get to the top of that situation. No one's going to let you cut yep. left, right? Yeah, and and same, I believe, uh, MPI insurance, people have to let you in no matter what, right? Like, it is the rule. Like, if you're slightly behind the person, you got to let a person come in. 100%. You, right? Yeah, 100%. Hey, James, got to ask you, uh, are you a driver that lets in the bus or not? I'm a very passive driver. I, I, I'm i not in rush for anything. So if you guys got to get in, go ahead. I like when they uh, flash their uh, four ways to say thank you when you let the bus in. Hey, James, thanks yep. for this call anytime. We appreciate it very much. Uh, Daryl, Daryl's got the floor now. You're the uh, unofficial co-host for the next minute or so here. Daryl, go ahead. Okay, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks. Appreciate you taking okay, on, time. On Pegwis, when you're coming off of Main Street, turning onto Pegwis Trail eastbound, you can turn on the red light there. You don't have to wait for the light to turn green. It's called an exceptional intersection. I went right to the cop shop, inquired. It's the same thing when you get at the end of Pegwis, at 59 and you want to turn south, there's another arrow light there. Mm-hmm. You can turn on the red. It's, nobody it's, does it. You're going, you're going from a one-way onto a one-way. Yeah, nobody nobody does it. We had Louis Escobar from the city here, and he's due to join us again in the summertime, and he's double-checking. He thinks that that may apply only to the curb lane in a situation like that. Well, I tend to disagree because I went right to the cop shop on Dougal Road and spoke to a number of officers there. They didn't mention nothing about one lane or another. They said, yes, you're allowed to turn on a red. Interesting. And that's a, that's a fact. That's for Main Street and when you're turning on to 59 Highway. And when sometimes, like I'm working out in this area right now and I'm sitting there watching people just sitting there. No traffic going southbound down 59, and everybody's waiting for that light to turn green. You don't have to. No, you certainly do not. Daryl, great point. We appreciate that. Hopefully a handful of people who use that route uh, le- learn something from you this afternoon. Appreciate the co-hosting time. Right on. Thank you. Have a good day. You too, Daryl. We'll take a break. We have to update the weather. Holy moly. The text messages keep flowing in here at 780-6868. It seems to be like a traffic talk Monday here. This afternoon on Mackling and McGarry. Just a couple more minutes here for us to do our best to wind up this discussion on driving safely, our concerns, and some of the the ways that we can alter our behavior. It's just a little bit more respect for ourselves. Never mind other people. How about respect yourself a little bit more uh, in terms of wanting to get home safely to your family? Uh, Speed cameras. Point of absolute divide in the city of Winnipeg and around the province of Manitoba. So many people feel these are cash grabs. They do not alter habits, that they do not save lives. They do not increase safety. Speed camera text says, okay, now everyone says more speed enforcement, and yet everyone hates speeding cameras. Why is that? It's simple. 
pay attention and don't speed equals to no fine and less chance of an accident. There should be a camera at every intersection and every couple of miles on the highways. Simply don't speed, but everyone hates cameras. Why is that? Because they want to speed. This is not, I think it's, it says, this says, this is no space science. I, I think uh, the intention there is to say, no, this is not rocket science. And you know what? In the United States, there are insurance companies now that will offer you a substantial discount if you are prepared to plug in a module that monitors all your driving habits. I'm talking everything. Where you go every single day, it's downloadable. The GPS, it works with your GPS. It knows when you're speeding. It knows when you're not. They can download the data just about at any time. And there are people lining up to install these things in their cars so that they can get a discount on their automobile insurance in the United States. Would you do something like that? Would you have every move you make on streets and highways monitored, recorded, to potentially be used against you for a discount on your insurance? We're going to have to move on from this conversation. We have a guest lined up for 2.30. But I'd like to know. 204-780-6868. Send me a text or gmac at cgob.com. Would you install one of these record-keeping, digital record-keeping devices in your vehicle to save money on your car insurance? Would you trade your anonymity and the certain degree of it that you have on the highways and on the roads for an insurance discount. We'll visit that later on in the week. It's Greg, no Brett, on this Monday afternoon. It's Mackling McGarry right here on 680 CGOB. We have global news and weather coming up next at the bottom of the hour with Austin Siragusa. Is this one of those timeless wonder songs, Jeff Forche? It sure is. It brings a <laughs> smile to my face. <laughs> Have you ever got down doing the Rock Lobster at a social? Um, I can't say at a social, but you know, when I've just been hanging out with my friends, I'll just throw it on randomly. You know, it's just one of those feel-good songs to me. The B-52s. Rock Lobster? Hope you're having a fantastic afternoon. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Uh, overwhelmed by the number of texts that you have sent in about driving, your concerns about driving, some of the things you have seen on the highways, and already getting feedback about this idea of exchanging your privacy, your ultimate privacy for lower insurance rates in the United States, many jurisdictions, well, not jurisdictions, so they have private insurance there. Private insurance companies are offering you this module that you can get, and it follows you everywhere you go, downloads all your driving habits, monitors where you go, and this Technology can be used against you should you be in a collision at some point to find out were you speeding, did you obey the traffic laws, etc., etc. Some of you saying, yes, I would trade my freedom for a discount on my insurance. Others saying, absolutely not. We will have to visit this later on this week because I think it's a fascinating question about what we're prepared to trade and for what are we prepared to trade 
our anonymity for dollars and cents, for safety? What is the line for you? So we'll discuss that later on. Uh, right now, I want to talk about, you guessed it, lobster. And for the past week or so, one of my uh, best buddies uh, growing up has been down in the Atlantic provinces, in the Maritimes. He didn't make it to... to Newfoundland or Labrador, but he's been posting these amazing pictures of uh, visits to downtown Halifax, to Charlottetown, uh, excursions out on the water, going to uh, the Keith's Brewery, amongst others. And, well, he slam-dunked it for me yesterday, and uh, that was with his picture of lobster poutine. Sylvain Charlebois joins us now. He is the Dean of the Faculty of Management, Professor in Food Distribution and Policy, Dalhousie University. He's also also author of Risk, Intelligence and Benchmarking, The New World Order in Food. And Sylvain, where does lobster fit in the new world order of food? (laughs) Well, uh, it's known as the chicken of the sea or even the cockroach of the sea. We actually used to serve lobster to prisoners so many years ago, but now uh, with uh, prices going up, uh, it seems lobster is seen as a delicacy. Uh, in fact, if you actually try to fetch a uh, lobster roll in, in the United States or in some parts of the uh, Atlantic region, uh, you you need to pay anywhere between uh, 16 to 25, sometimes $30. So it's, it's, it's getting up there. So it's, it's been a good year for, for lobster in general, and uh, sales are really going up in many parts of the world. Um, they're getting acquainted with lobster overall. So, yeah, it's, it, it's good to be a lobster fisherman. Now, do I understand from your release and, and your report on this that McDonald's, because of the rising prices of lobsters, had to discontinue one of its most popular items in your part of the world, the McLobster? I know. And so every year, usually in the Atlantic region, uh, McDonald's uh, basically launch, uh, they, they start serving the McLobster, uh, which is well known and uh, and desired in the Atlantic region. But uh, due to prices, they actually had to uh, hold, put a hold on their, on their project for this year. Uh, it got too expensive. And of course, McDonald's uh, is always very concerned about price points and uh, at retail, and so they just felt that uh, numbers didn't make sense this year, and so they basically decided to hold back and wait until next year. Now, I've had a lifelong love affair with the lobster, and I've always wondered if it's more of a love affair with butter, uh, because uh, I've often said that eating a lobster tail is really just an excuse to eat hot butter on something. But no, I have eaten lobster without the butter, and I absolutely love it. It is one of my favorite things. In fact, my favorite dish on the entire planet is lobster bisque soup. I would oh, yeah. I would eat that outside on a patio. I'd eat it on an asphalt road when it was forty <laughs> degrees outside. If that was part of the deal to eat this stuff, when did the rest of the world catch on to how delicious lobster is, Sylvain? Obviously, this seems to be a little bit of a, a new trend and and something that has happened over the last couple of decades or so. Oh, absolutely. So this there's been a trend. Um, I mean, a, a very uh, upward trend, people are starting to get acquainted with lobster, but it's really, it's been since 2010, so over the last seven years or so, things are really, really booming. 
the lobster industry is now worth a billion dollars in Canada. So, and if you look at some of the markets around the world buying Canadian lobster, China, since 2012, sales have tripled. Uh, they're getting richer, and so, of course, uh, more expensive proteins are becoming more affordable to them, to many, many uh, Chinese uh, joining the middle class. And that's why it only makes sense to see more and more. There's actually a, an aircraft uh, filled with lobster leaving the Halifax airport almost every day now, wow. a 747. So. And, and these are fresh live lobster uh, going into uh, Ethro and then into Asia afterwards. So it's really big business. And uh, and now uh, the Lobster Council of Canada and many different marketing groups are trying to market lobster as an ingredient. And so you mentioned the lobster poutine. Well, we've seen the lobster burrito lobster beer even and lobster <laughs> donuts so it, it goes on and on and on so i have a friend uh, his name is monty he might be listening right now he grew up in uh, newfoundland and he always tells us the story of how he would get lobster sandwiches for lunch like every day for two months during lobster season you mentioned the fact that uh, that lobster was fed to prisoners because there was zero love zero respect for lobster once upon a time Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's and it was, it was lasting for a while. And of course, the, the a lot of people who aren't uh, from the Maritimes or the Atlantic region may not feel comfortable eating a lobster or even cooking it. Uh, but after a while, once you have someone to guide you in that process, uh, the product becomes more accessible. And again, if you actually look at uh, the lobster rolls, uh, the different food products that actually do include lobster, then it becomes a delicacy. Uh, so you have to you have to actually uh, think about, well, I mean, let's face it, a lobster is not the prettiest thing in the world. I actually <laughs> would, I've always believed that the first person who's ever decided to uh, believe that lobster is actually edible uh, deserves a medal. And that was years and years ago, <laughs> but now we know it, it is edible and and more and more people are actually enjoying it. Okay, so tell us. And by the way, we're visiting with the, the Dean of the Faculty of Management and Professor in Food Distribution and Policy at Dalhousie University, Sylvain Charlebois. He uh, graces these airways from time to time with these great food-associated stories. Uh, when did we realize that the uh, cockroach of the sea actually had not only some uh, taste value, Sylvain, but when did we discover that it actually has some nutritional value as well? Well, it's with research, and uh, of course, uh, beyond the taste and, and beyond the delicacy, you kind of have to wonder uh, what uh, what consumers are thinking around around healthy choices, around dieting, and and people felt for quite a long time that if you eat lobster, you're you're destroying uh, your 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 diet if you're you're on one. It's actually the opposite. In fact, they they've looked at the uh, the calories and the calories are the calorie count for lobster is actually less than chicken. And when you look at uh, the nutritional content of lobster meat, it, it actually has several vitamins, including potassium and omega three uh, fatty acids, and and these are the kinds of things you want in a healthy diet. So you can actually position the product, the commodity, as a healthy choice now, something that we didn't know a few years ago. 
Now, uh, a tuna is something that's uh, very popular for people who are trying to watch their weight and modify their diet, a great source of protein. But there's also some hesitation to consume a large amount of tuna uh, simply because of what's in our water. Do you have that same sort of concern when it comes to lobster? Do we have to, you know, even though we might be able to afford, let's pretend, uh, wouldn't that be something that you could have lobster a few times a week as part of your diet? Uh, Is it a good idea? Are there some things you need to be conscientious of, Sylvain? Well, uh, we, we, there, there hasn't been any uh, reported incidences or concerns uh, f- uh, looking at lobster because it is, it is uh, fish in the Atlantic uh, for cane lobster. So, and it's and our waters are are pretty clean. Of course, when you look at aquaculture, you're dealing with uh, with a different set of risks. Uh, when it comes to lobster, really, it's about freshness. And uh, and people around the world are recognizing that. And and in fact, uh, Maine is the main state uh, where uh, where a lot of people do harvest lobster in the United States. And and actually, Maine is doing some good good business as well. So the Atlantic region overall, including the United States, um, is doing very well when it comes to lobster. Now, one thing that if you own a restaurant and maybe you're a mass uh, importing or or ordering online of lobster is something called food fraud and the idea that lobster that you think you're getting might not be where you think it's from. This is a good point, uh, actually. In fact, uh, yeah, I think it's been recognized as uh, one of... Uh, of the industry's main concerns, uh, food fraud. Uh, there, there's been some uh, reported incidences um, suggesting that perhaps Canadian lobster is being sold as American lobster in Asia and different parts of the world just because people want or recognize the American brand, the American lobster. In fact, uh, the American lobster is well known. It's almost it's, it's basically the same thing as Canadian lobster. The problem that we have with that, of course, is that if you don't use your own commodities to sell a region like Canada, you you can't really uh, allow other economic sectors to benefit from that exposure, starting with tourism, for example. So if you actually are selling Canadian lobster in China, well, once they – you basically are – giving them a bait, a reason to visit mm-hmm. our region. But if you're actually selling as an American lobster, you're missing out on a great opportunity. That's why the uh, Lobster Council of Canada has decided to actually launch a marketing campaign, a branding campaign, and they're being very aggressive about it, which is a good thing. Well, I will volunteer to be your uh, prairie spokesperson because uh, I would take my payment uh, purely in lobster. Sylvain, have to ask you. Don't have a whole lot of lobster over there, huh? No, no, but you know what? It's readily available. You know, it's only a three and a half, four hour flight from Halifax, so That's we get right. the, we get the best of both worlds here in the middle of of Canada because we get the crab from the west coast and the lobster from the east coast, and it's equally as fresh. What's the when's the last time you had lobster? Yourself, Sylvain, and what form did it take? This week, last weekend, <laughs> I was inspired by a, a, a nice feast with the family to, to write this piece, and so uh, essentially, and of course, I'm a B52 fan, so thank you for that song earlier. You betcha. Uh, but really, it's 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 about celebrating the sea in the summertime, and so we're we're so 
blessed with uh, with uh, Mother Nature here. And I was actually, when I was living in the prairies, of course, we had some great food as well to celebrate. But once in a while, you want to get by uh, by the sea and, and, and enjoy all the things that uh, the sea can actually provide to you. I have to ask you one last thing. I said the last was the last. How do you prepare it? Do you boil it or do you broil it? We boil it. And so there's, you basically put it in. A lot of people actually put it in like a lot of water. We actually only put in uh, maybe two inches of water and basically the steam uh, cooks the lobster and you put, you basically use uh, seawater. You don't put the salt in, you just use seawater, natural seawater, and that does the trick. Oh, well, I've got lots of that lying around. So, mu- so much for that advice, Sylvain. Hey, I appreciate your uh, time as always. Great to speak with you and uh, keep sending us these uh, amazing food facts. We appreciate it more than you know. No problem. Great Take to care. talk to you. Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. He's a Dean of Faculty of Management and Professor in Food Distribution and Policy, Faculty of Management, Faculty of Agriculture out in Halifax, Nova Scotia, at Dalhousie University. I'm getting some unsolicited text messages about some of your favorite foods. What's one food you could eat like every supper for, um, we'll we'll go with a week? 204-780-6868. For me, it would be lobster bisque soup without any question. Uh, I've got banana cream pie that's already come in and a couple of local delicacies. Give us a call or send us a text. What food what's your favorite food and that you could if you could eat it for supper for a week would you what would it be 204-780-6868 it's greg without brett my uh producer jeff forche is starving now sorry jeff i you know lobster it's just one of the finer things in life and lobster bisque is my absolute favorite i'd like i would run over you right now if there was a pot behind you i'd probably come right through this window i believe it to I make sure it. that i got some you did a great job in combining fettuccine alfredo and lobster that like if that if you could eat that oh yeah every I, day I, for a week you'd be in paradise right yeah i believe i've had that at uh, red lobster so <laughs> oh, red lobster it's- Can can we sneak out of here later? What time are you done? 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock. Okay, we'll talk. Chris is hanging on the line at 204-780-6868. Chris, what could you eat every day for supper for a week? Well, it'd have to be my mom's cabbage rolls, Isabel's cabbage rolls. Uh, The secret is uh, Campbell's tomato soup. I should probably kill me for giving that one up, but yeah, (laughs) you got to use the Campbell's tomato soup. No, that's uh, that's interesting that there's always that secret ingredient that people are reluctant to give up. And I have to ask you about yep. the Campbell's tomato soup, probably one of your favorites, like as a soup, right, with the grilled cheese sandwich too. I'm guessing. That that that, that does work too. <laughs> do you use the Do you use milk or do you use water? Because there's some people that use water, a can of water instead of a can of milk. I've been known to use half and half sometimes. Half and half. All right, give your mom a shout out one more time, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate it. Chris says his mom's. Uh, Holopchi or cabbage rolls. Banana cream pie, says John. I have made a meal out of it. My mom was a cook for years. Best pie ever. Uh, Bill, yes, we talked about the fact that lobster used to be uh, considered a peasant dish, used to be uh, fed to prisoners years ago in Maine. And I think Sylvain said even in Nova Scotia that was the case. Jason, I'm getting the point. I'm getting the fact that a white shell walleye over lobster any day of the week. And then when I formalize the request, 
for your favorite food in capital letters from Jason. Walleye, W-A-L-L-E-Y-E. Dungeness crab from Paul can eat it till I burst. Yeah, good call, Paul. Eve, I could eat steak with baked potato, all the fixings, and enter any vegetable here any day of the week for a week. You got it, brother. Pierogies with sour cream and fried onions. Bill, or Brian, sorry, Brian, thank you for that. We appreciate that. You know who doesn't like pierogies, if you can believe it, and he's outed himself on the air, is Jeff Courier. He's been in Manitoba from Ontario, from Ottawa, for going on 25 years now, and he still does not like pierogies. And the last one at 204-780-6868, one, two, three, four, five M's with meatloaf after it. I'd eat it every day. Oh, Tim sneaks in there. Better watch the discussion. We'll turn to sandwiches soon. Yes, Tim. Tim remembers one of our very first talkers on Mackling McGarry was your favorite sandwich that went for an hour. And some of the recipes we got were absolutely incredible. We'll take a pause and uh, Kyle Milroy will step in and fill the co-host chair for a couple of segments. We're going to talk about Martin Landau and the movie Ed Wood. Martin Landau passed away over the weekend. We'll uh, share our thoughts on that. And Game of Thrones debuted last night. No spoilers, I promise, except for one small one that doesn't affect the storyline in any way, shape, or form. It's Mackling and McGarry, no McGarry. He'll be back tomorrow. Send us an email, gmac at cgob.com, or send us a text on anything we might be talking about this afternoon, 780-6868. Global news and weather's next, top of the hour. Yeah, I'm listening to it. STP? Yeah? What is it? Flies in the Vaseline. We Brand are. new for you, Mac. Something like that? Yeah. yeah. There you go. Is that a new music bed? It is brand Kyle new. Melroy. I just made it for you. Thanks, brother. You're Appreciate welcome. it. Hey, uh, sad news in the uh, Hollywood world. Martin Landau passed away on Saturday, age of 89. Martin Landau wasn't necessarily all that well known for our generation Kyle, except for one movie, I think, where he really stood out. In fact, he received uh, Best Supporting Actor. Oh, I thought you were talking about Oscar. the Entourage. I thought you were talking about the Entourage movie. Oh, well, he, maybe. He, maybe I'd he forgotten was, about uh, that. He was, did an episode. He did a four-episode arc in Entourage in the mid-2000s. But four, that's not what we're here to talk about. Four-episode arc. I love that. He was in Ed Wood, a critically acclaimed Tim Burton film from 1994. One of my favorite Tim Burton ones. One of the... Uh, I don't know if it's an outlier. It's less... It's less weird than a lot of his other ones, but it's also more weird in some ways, if that makes any sense. Well, like, it's, it's more just... engaging, right? You don't feel as though you're on the outside looking in. Right. Uh, Johnny like, Depp oh. plays Ed Wood and is surprisingly charming based on the character himself, who who was uh, kind of aloof, was a little bit different, but you started to feel sympathy for him quite quickly, which I think was a little bit unusual. Yeah, for and I remember I, I remember seeing like the trailer for this movie, and it came in 94, so I was... 10 and for some reason I want, I'm like hey dad let's go see this movie it's like all right why why do you want to come I mean he wanted to see it obviously but didn't quite understand why his 10 year old son wanted to see it but I I remember liking it then and now of course I get a lot more of it now watching it as a as a full-grown adult <laughs> and such an odd decision to make a movie about a man who made bad movies essentially yeah and this is you know this is pre internet pre where everything where pre where stuff is made to be cult classics like stuff is like, oh, let's make something campy and it'll be bad and it'll be funny because of it. This is sincere filmmaking 
that was just very inept and bad. It was not intentionally bad. Like people running into sets and knocking sets over and the directors just leaving the cut in and letting it happen. That wasn't intentional. That was just, he just liked to make movies and was not very good at it. (laughs) Roger Ebert and of course uh, Gene Siskel reviewed this film. Here's a little bit of that review in particular about the role that was played by Martin Landau. And this movie called Ed Wood, directed by the always inventive Tim Burton, is simply marvelous. It's one of the great movies about movie making. It's in love with filmmaking and the directing impulse. I really like this picture. I think it should be required viewing in every film school in America. And why? Because it's about a guy who loves his work despite all the roadblocks put in front of him. One of the best parts of the movie is the real-life friendship that developed between young Ed and veteran horror star Bella Lugosi, who late in his life was a drug addict rescued by Ed's undying admiration. Martin Landau is dead-on brilliant as Lugosi. Mr. Lugosi, why are you buying a car? I'm burning and dying soon. No. Yes, I'm embarking on another bus and truck tour of Dracula, 12 cities in 10 days, if that's conceivable. The now late Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi in Ed Wood. I said that right, right? Bella Lugosi. Yeah, that's correct. Right on. Hey, uh, what does Ed Wood have on Rotten Tomatoes? I'm just looking it up right <laughs> I don't, now. I don't know if they have anything on there for him. Oh, they must have something on it, certainly. Just looking it up here because uh, 88%. Hey, so, the, yeah. oh, I thought you meant Ed Wood, the director, not Ed no, Wood, the movie. No, yeah. no, no, on, uh, on the movie Ed Wood. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, about right. Tomatoes audience score 88, and uh, the tomato meter, it's actually 92%. So if you've not seen it, use the passing of of Martin Landau as an excuse yeah, to if you see love, this film. If you love film and sort of the art of filmmaking, this sort of has like a, uh, a very indie look at how small films get made and how much love you need to pour into something even if it ends up not going very well i guess <laughs> i think that's a, a fair way to put it uh here's a headline uh, from entertainment weekly just came across my twitter feed in the last hour so ed sheeran coming to the simpsons next why are they saying next well if you were watching closely game of thrones last night you would have or not caught- even watching closely he's pretty prominent it was pretty <laughs> obvious wasn't it here's the scene is it too late to say spoiler alert? Spoiler alert! This has nothing to do with the plot I, yet. For she was a secret treasure. She was his shame and his place. And a chain and a keep are nothing compared to a woman's kiss. For hands of gold are always cold, but a woman's hands are warm. For hands of gold are always cold, but a woman's hands are It's a pretty song. I've never heard it before. It's a new one. Are you hungry? We've got some rabbit. I don't want to steal your food. You're not stealing, we're offering. Come on, it's going to be a cold night. So what do you think of that? I like what cameos when they're a little more subtle than well, this Well, it was one. good. It, it wasn't, if I didn't know who Ed Sheeran was, I wouldn't have looked at the filming technique of the scene to be like, oh, that one guy is like a celebrity. You know what I mean? It was like, you go, oh, that's Ed Sheeran. It's slightly distracting, but it wasn't, he didn't like, he held his own in terms of acting. You, just, you don't need a lot from these guys. They're just little like, you know, younger soldier guys. But uh, 
it wasn't, I didn't find it distracting, apart from the fact that I know that that person taking a small role is Ed Sheeran. Now, I will say, he is in a position that we would all take if we are in a position of power and fame and go, hey, I really like this show. Can I just call my agent and get on the show? Well, I think yeah, he's de- we'd all do that. <laughs> I think he's he's developed a certain relationship there with uh, the uh, director of Game of Thrones and why he was offered to, to come on the program. Isn't that right? Well, hey, whatever works. If it just takes a couple phone calls, sure, if it takes more than that. Um, this isn't their first time they've had musicians on uh, Game of Thrones. I know um, during the Joffrey's wedding scene, no spoiler, but uh, the band, the Icelandic band Sigur Ross was playing at the wedding. And also uh, one of my favorite bands, Mastodon, played, I didn't play, they were uh, part of the Hard Home battle scene in season five. They were a couple of uh, uh, soldiers that became undead soldiers in that scene. And I, and I recognize them. One of the guys has a big head tattoo, so it's now, pretty, was it ju- pretty easy to notice. Sorry, Kyle, was it just Chris Martin that was on or was it all a cold play that uh, also found their way oh. in an episode? <sighs> I can't remember. I want to say it was all of them, but it could have. I mean, I wouldn't recognize any other members of Coldplay. So why don't we uh, take a pause? We'll update traffic. We'll update weather and then we'll come back and we'll get your take without any spoilers. All right. On the uh, season seven already. Season seven, the penultimate season. There's one more season after this and then that's it. Well, uh, we'll get Kyle's take on it without ruining it for you. If you haven't had a chance to see it yet, Kyle Milroy playing co-host for a few minutes here, Mackling and McGarry McGarry off today. He'll be back tomorrow. Hope you're having a great day. As I mentioned, traffic and weather coming up next. So last night, the, what did you call it? The what What's did I call it? What's the word you used? Uh, it was the the Pre- season seven of yes. Game of Thrones, which was the penultimate, penultimate season. What does that word even mean? Second to last. Second to last. Yes. Season of Game of Thrones. Kyle Milroy I just like here. Sounds smart sometimes. <laughs> I love that word. It's great. I'm going to write it down. All I'm right. going to repeat it thirteen I'm gonna times. I'm going to learn how to tonight. spell it too. <laughs> Absolutely. We're talking about Game of Thrones without uh, giving anything away. Uh, what do you call people that are into Game of Thrones? Throneheads, thronies, gamers. What do we, like? What do we call Throners. you guys? Oh, that's probably yeah. I've never thought of it. Just uh, fans of Game of Thrones. There's no. There's no real like. Uh, Nothing rolls off the tongue. Nothing sounds good. Nothing like Trekkie or anything Trekkie, like that. They, it, Trekker. They prefer Trekker. Trekker. Oh, Come on. Trekker. Come on. You mean they. they What's this I don't, they? I'm, I'm more of a Star Wars guy. Oh, okay, fair enough. Although it's all on Netflix and I should probably just watch Star okay. Trek. <laughs> so Game of Thrones, did it uh, cut muster? Yes, it was a bit more of a table setting episode. There's only seven episodes this season as opposed to the usual ten. So I thought maybe they'd be moving a little bit faster. They might do that later, but it was a lot of uh, table setting, um, people going places that... Um, they'll be sort of for the rest of the season, I'd say. Um, Daenerys Targaryen, who's the, the the lady who has the dragons with her, Mackling. Uh, she has all the dragons. She is landed on the main land now. She's been away forever. And so she she's at the far end of it, but she's she's with... This, she's on the same plane as the rest of the people now. She hasn't reached a lot of them yet. So there's that. Um, Are you giving stuff away you shouldn't be giving away? That's not too bad. Okay. We'll say spoiler alert anyway. So, But be, people know this is leading to that. They might not know when it happens. I'm not saying anything about who died or who turns into who or anything else. But, it, yeah, it's a table-setting episode. There's lots of stuff that you can see now is going to happen. Uh, Things the, are coming into focus, in, are they? Uh, in honor of George Romero, the Undead Army was uh, in full force last night. Um, they're on their way. And a lot of people, uh, Jon Snow and Sansa Stark, are near the wall, and they need more people to help protect the wall in hopes that 
they'll be able to stop the army. I don't know if that'll happen or not. You, I have a feeling you're telling us way too much. No, it, they it, know. People know anyone who lo- anyone who likes Game of Thrones. The army's been walking for like a season. They, okay. They're on their way. They're, oh, okay, they're not. They're, they, they're, they're getting close. We they're can getting say closer. That. They, don't, they haven't reached anywhere. But uh, yeah. This is so w- weird in this world and of I mean, on demand. And yeah, and I don't even know that I'm a, I don't even know that I know everything or even a lot about it, but I like it and it's entertaining. <laughs> and so I just know, I know enough to tell you what. Well, we've do. got a listener here who uh, has her take on it or, yes. or his. I, I thought I saw a name, Sarah, here. And if not, I apologize. I uh, loved it. Absolutely loved the premiere episode. They did a fantastic job touching on characters that we've been wondering about while still giving a good look into where the main characters are now. I'm sure the second episode will focus on a couple of characters that we're missing. Wished these episodes were two hours apiece. One hour does not feel long enough for me. Sorry for using the word characters so many (laughs) times, but trying not to spoil anything for everyone. And to their point about the episode length, uh, the rumor is that uh, the final season, there's only uh, probably six episodes, but the final season, uh, the rumor is that the episodes will be like at least 90 minutes per Okay, well, per episode because because there's so much to cram into right the show and that's the weird contracts how they work you can have like three hour episodes if it's a certain amount of if it's only episodes in a season then you're still under, hours, you're still, hours per season you're still under whatever. contract yeah it's not a it doesn't matter for hours it's just physical episodes <laughs> yeah fair enough uh, Greg uh, what was the place well, Dragon I, Lady got I saw to that text and I'm, that's a spoiler I'm okay not say, I mean people could put two and two together I'm I can't remember the exact name of the location on the map where they are, but uh, people will recognize it. Okay. For yeah. the, all of you uh, in your cars yelling at us right now, <laughs> we're going to shut up and uh, invite you to uh, watch uh, Game of Thrones uh, Season 7 premiere. Yes, it's, last uh, night it's on HBO Canada On Demand by now, probably. I fantastic. Would, I would gather, so, unless you have it sitting on your DVR, in which case I will not say it anymore. I love it. Kyle Milroy, he uh, typically sits behind the glass, produces Jeff Curry's It's nice program. on this side. Thanks for coming over hey, to thanks, the dark man. side and All spending right. some time with me. Kyle spending some time on this side of the glass. Brett McGarry off today. He will be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll take a break and we've got weather and, uh, oh yeah, the sports coming up shortly. Craig Mackling without Brett McGarry this afternoon. How are things with you? Hope you're having a great day. Tough getting back at work if it was a weekend for you. Maybe your weekend started today. Lots of people work the weekends. I don't know if we've been doing our rock-solid job of making sure we acknowledge the people that work shift work, frontline workers, those that have to work odd hours so that we can get the things done. We like to get done when we're off. We always like to tip our cap to them uh, at least once a week. So if I neglected to do that last week, I apologize. Thanks for everybody that works the uh, odd hours. One of the annual rites of summer in our community is Super Spike. MTS Super Spike. It's a volleyball extravaganza. Takes place at the Rugby Park, St. Battelle. Starts Friday. Oh, I've got passes. I've got passes for two. You have to pick which day you want to go. If you want to go uh, on the 21st or the 22nd, okay? Jeff Forche standing by 780-6868. If you want to go, you want these passes, which Montreal-born singer-songwriter is the headline performer at this weekend's MTS Super Spike? It's Monday. I was feeling charitable. Might be a little bit easy based on the music bed I just played. But you know what? 
McGarry's not here, so I won't tell if you won't tell that I made it way too easy on you to win those tickets for Super Spike. 204-780-6868. Which Montreal-born singer-songwriter is the headline performer at this weekend's MTS Super Spike? If you want to go, we've got tickets. 204-780-6868. Talk to uh, my producer, Jeffrey Forche. Uh, We were talking about lobster earlier. And uh, my absolute obsession with lobster. And uh, Len sent me this. Hey, guys, always a great show in the afternoon. Buy the cheapest piece of filleted or filleted fish, any kind. Poach it in a pot of 7-Up, boiling for two minutes, and boom, you have lobster. Seriously, I try it. And uh, he says, enjoy. Thank you, Len. I appreciate that. I might have to try that, but I prefer the real thing, but I'll try it. I'll try it. Okay. This jumped out at me today. It may not have jumped out at you. If you have Twitter, you've probably seen it. You may have seen it on your Facebook page. Are you sitting down? If if you're driving, you might want to pull over. Caitlyn Jenner says she has considered, in quotation marks, a run for Senate in California. Here's the story. Caitlyn Jenner told a New York radio host that she is considering a run for the U.S. Senate representing California. This just isn't the California Senate. This is U.S. Senate. Jenner told uh, AM970 that she's considering getting more involved politically. I've considered it. I like the political side of it, Jenner said. The political side of it has always been very intriguing to me over the next six months or so. I got to find out, great English, uh, where I can do a better job. She continued asking, can I do a better job from the outside, kind of working the perimeter of the political scene, being open to talk to anybody, or are you better off from the inside? And we are in the process of determining that. We, sounds like maybe she already has a team. Yeah, but I would look for a senatorial run. According to Jenner, who's declared she's conservative Republican, a large focus of her campaign would be an attempt to merge more progressive values on LBGTQ issues alongside the general Republican platform. The perception of the Republican Party is that they're all about rich white guys trying to make money, she said. I would hope in the next generation that we can change the perception of the Republican Party and make it the party of equality. Well, you know, if you get Caitlyn Jenner and Kid Rock and Dwayne The Rock Johnson in government, how could things possibly go wrong? How could they get any worse? Tonight at 7 o'clock, by the way. One has nothing to do with the other. Very cold transition here. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 33-25 uh, winners on Thursday night against the Toronto Argonauts. They are in Vancouver to face the Lions this coming Friday night. Bob Irving and the head coach of your Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Mike O'Shea, in studio this evening from 7 until 8 right here on 680 CJOB. They'll take your phone calls, your queries, your suggestions. Uh, Bob was telling me that Mike O'Shea may be the only professional head coach that has a show like this, and he, he, he thinks it may be in any sport. In North America, a lot of the college football head coaches have their call-in shows in the States, but Bob is is certain that, uh, fairly certain that Michael Shea 
is the only head coach of a professional football team in North America, maybe any professional sport. Uh, David McKeegan, he's going to MDS Super Spike, courtesy of us here at 680 CJOB. He knew that Sam Roberts is the headline uh, musician playing at Super Spike. Uh, David, you will get to pick what night you uh, go down. Uh, Imagine that David might want to go and see Sam Roberts when he performs. We're going to press pause on the conversation now. And update you, traffic and weather coming up. And then Richard Cluche, along with a special guest. He's not the only one working with a different co-host today. We'll tell you who's working with Richard when we come back in a few minutes. It's Greg Mackling. No Brett McGarry. Brett will be back tomorrow with any luck whatsoever. Hope you're having a fantastic day. Thanks for spending some time with me on this Monday afternoon. Well, it's been a little lonely in here this afternoon. Great to have my friend Richard Cluche in the studio. Oh, you miss you miss your partner. I do miss my partner, and you're going to be missing your partner as well. Well, Brittany Greenslade is here for a vacationing Julie Buckingham. Julie is enjoying two weeks of rest and relaxation, a cloche-free holiday. <laughs> and uh, She probably didn't even have to go very far to get that. No, she does not. Most important element of the holiday. And for uh, three days this week and a couple days next week, Brittany is coming in. It's so great to have you aboard. I'm buffing up my radio chops is what's happening here. Wow. We'll see, we'll see if I get invited back tomorrow is what we're saying. She's already getting the vernacular <laughs> down. That's good. You will recognize Brittany's voice and her name from Global News. Brittany, what are you doing at Global News these days? You've got a variety of responsibilities over there, right? I do a little bit of everything from reporting to anchoring to weather to web producing. It's a it's a collaborative effort. When was the last time you did any radio? Well, almost every day at five. Well, fair enough. <laughs> well, that's good. I get so to join she, you guys. So she's already used, Brittany's already used to dealing with you, Rich, is what we're trying to say. On a daily basis. What are you chasing this afternoon? She puts me in my place as well as Julie Buckingham. She has learned from the best. Well, that's Absolutely. good news for all of us, I I grew up say. in a family of six, so I had a lot of practice. <laughs> really? Six? Six, four kids, yeah. So wow. lots of practice in the Greenslade household. Now, were you the middle, the oldest? Somewhere? I'm the youngest girl. Ah. Three girls and then a boy. So I'm yeah. kind of the middle child, kind of the baby all of the great qualities. I think she got all the benefits of being the younger girl. Just some homework I was doing on the weekend. Uh, busy normal for Winnipeg Fire Paramedics today? Busier than normal today. Obviously, when we see temperatures going up, they say they get an increase in calls. Back-to-back house fires today. Also, a bomb scare that happened that had them sent out uh, to the base out there. And obviously, you can imagine we get hot just walking around in shorts and a t-shirt on days like this with the humidity. So you can imagine the firefighters as they're wearing all of their gear, what that entails. We'll talk to Global National's Chief Europe Correspondent, Jeff Semple, on why China is having a problem in censoring Winnipeg's own Winnie the Pooh. This is baffling, it's bizarre, but it may make sense to uh, certain minds uh, in China, I suppose. Uh, It's interesting where threats come from, Richard. It certainly is very interesting. (laughs) And uh, Canada's food guide is changing again. Yeah, we all remember the rainbow. That's being thrown out the door. And you know what? If you're a meat eater or you love milk, you might not love the new food guide, but a lot of people are praising it. Okay, oh. They're changing it. Wasn't it a pyramid? 
And then it went to this rainbow. Mm-hmm. And so now you're so, teasing me with this whole idea. The you know what? Milk uh, every few years, it hasn't changed in a decade. So time to revamp. See oh, what's, yeah, you know, sure. we, we learn new things all the time. Well, and it's interesting because lobster on there anyway. Well, <laughs> because um, the meat lobby, the dairy lobbies had, uh, you know, a lot to, 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 a lot of input over the last several years on this. And now they're saying it's going to be even more plant-based. And uh, more on that just after your 4 o'clock news with Brittany. You got anything to give away today? Uh, uh, our love and affection. <laughs> like every day. No. No Happy, contest. No, no fancy schmancy contest without <laughs> Julie around. Stay with us. You never know. Well, what we, we like, to, we like to stay with you for sure. You Richard, Richard Cloutier and Brittany Greenslade sitting in for a vacationing. Julie Buckingham, Brittany will be here for a couple days this week. I think it's three in total, a couple next week. Great to have you in the studio. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us and putting up with our shenanigans in the newsroom, Brittany. Well, thanks for having me. It's nice. I don't get to see you guys too much. Just get to hear you. So it's nice to see what goes on on the other side. Yeah, it's kind of unequitable because we get to see you and hear you when you are doing your work. Uh, from 4 until 7, Brittany and Richard will get you home safe. They'll get you home informed. Keep it locked here to 680 CGOB. And once again, 7 o'clock tonight, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving, will be in this chair. And Mike O'Shea will sit where Brittany Greenslade is sitting right now, and they will talk about the last game between the Blue Bombers and the Argonauts and look ahead to Friday night's clash in Vancouver. The BC Lions, who lost their starting quarterback after one play this weekend, that didn't slow them down against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Why? Because, well, they have Travis Lule as their backup, and all he did was come in and throw for 436 yards. So the Blue Bombers will have their work cut out for them in spite of the fact that Jonathan Jennings will not be at the helm for the BC Lions. Also want to let you know that starting tomorrow, the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown, the inaugural episode, will be up and loaded tomorrow. We'll let you know about that tomorrow afternoon, and we'll have a secret word within the podcast to let you know how you can win Blue Bomber tickets tomorrow afternoon. More Super Spike tickets. Brett McGarry should be back with me, Greg Mackling, and Jeffrey Forche, as always. And maybe even heightened responsibility today. You're rock solid as always. Really appreciate you keeping me on the straight and narrow. That's all the time for us this afternoon. GMAC at CJOB.com. If you've got any comments, any story ideas, or feedback, we love hearing from you. The news is next at 4 o'clock.